Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. This is Three Pagans and a Cat interview series with Witch Doctor Utu, and I am Carr. You may call me Ode. Mary Meat, my name is Gwyn. And I'm Utu. There we go. First, I think we want just kind of a brief introduction, who you are, what yeah, you do. Yeah, in case our listeners have not heard of you. Yeah. Well, I live in uh, St. Catharines, Ontario, in Canada. I'm the founder of the Dragon Ritual Drummers. It's a fairly well-known mm-hmm. drum troupe. We're centered on Niagara Falls. I've been a member of the New Orleans Lutheran Spiritual Temple since around about the year 2000. I'm also initiated in Ifa, a tradition, a particular line comes out of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So for the last 20 years or so, I've been very active in the Canadian epic communities. You know, so I travel on both, mm-hmm. both parts of the continent and present and kind of share, whether it's with the Dragon Ritual Drummers, we're from, or we're all about, or myself, which has mostly been about you know, Conjure of the Underground Railroad, which has been my passion for the last you know, well over 15 years yeah. of, of putting that together. So that's, you know, that's me in a nutshell, kind of just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, the community and, and uh, my foot the culture world as well. So. Very cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, we've all read the book. Harriet, Mama Moses Tubman, and the Spirits of the Underground Railroad. Yeah, and we uh, we enjoyed it tremendously. We actually kind of went through it last night as mm-hmm. well, again mm-hmm. to yeah. refocus so we have it fresh in fresh our minds. minds. The whole book again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that I really like about it is that you give a lot of history. There are things about Harriet Tubman in this book that I never got in, in history, you know, growing up. And in Michigan, Michigan, because we are close to Canada, and we did have station here, and um, so we heard a lot about the Underground Railroad in elementary school, as Ode would say, you know, we heard about the gourd, but we had no idea what it was, there was for. Yeah, it was just like, she used to carry a gourd around, who knows why? Who knows why? You know, so we knew nothing about her, really her occult and root work that she did, and it really was presented to me as a Christian framework, you know, that she was a Christian. So I found this absolutely fascinating. But then in addition, it's also a grimoire, and you, sh- you show us how to work with, with Harriet. So can you tell us more about how you got into that? Well, where I live and the neighborhood I live in is where Harriet Tubman brought her track to its end, like literally to its end. So there's a little block where I live where there's a church that's still maintained by freedom-seeking descendants. And they're all really amazing people. I've known them for almost 20 years. So that's, you know, a few of them didn't want to be named in the book. So their last names were put in there because, you know, they are <laughs> Christians. And mm-hmm. so, or their family members are not, but, you know, it's just to protect them. You know, sure, sure. There's yeah. several of these uh, renowned families that are all friends of mine. And so when they knew and started to find out that I was involved in Voodoo and Conjure, a few of them went on right on, and, and they knew what I was sort of chasing around. So what's interesting is they, those descendants do believe that it's worth sharing the truth, even mm-hmm. if they do not adhere to root worker conjure, mm-hmm. if their descendants, and, and in particular Harry Tubman, did utilize it, then truth is truth. Right. And so one of them is a friend of mine who's a historian, actually, of that church. And so she's been a very good friend for many years. So you may not agree with everything that I do, mm-hmm. or, but uh, we're good friends, and she's all about that, and knows that truth is truth. And so that's the thing, right? It's like here in Michigan, renowned underground railroad legacy. And what they'll, history doesn't ever want to taint the Underground Railroad mm-hmm. with voodoo and root work. Right. Because when you think about it, it's not even mainstream amongst, you know, yeah, in part the, of the world, community. right? Right, yeah. yeah. So imagine, true. like, this historical legacy is going to be like, oh, by the way, it was filled with conjurers and root workers, and <laughs> some of our most famous people were, yeah, carrying mojos and invoking spirits. They don't want that to be known. So that's 
where the history in this book is bit, you know, sort of just exposing that that was a big part of it. So right. This is what these people used. They were part, they were Christian. They utilized everything they could take. That's right. Right. That's they, right. And so, you know, trying to dig through some of the stories of what you know people were really doing, it's pretty interesting because there was a lot of magic and a lot of occultists, and especially mm-hmm. all the white supporters of the underground. Like, there were a lot of occultists, right? Um, Mesmerists, um, spiritualists. Exactly. And, I was going to say there was a spiritualist in there, at yeah. least one uh, that several, I remember. Yeah, yeah. 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 Remember well, I think the whole spiritualist movement was very involved in the underground yeah, railroad. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 born out of cross pollination with freedom seekers that were staying in Quaker bars. Mm-hmm. So the Quakers were the ones that were, that's where spiritualism came from. There was like a radical sect of them that were working with the afterlife. And by the time they were intermingling and sharing with freedom seekers, just that sort of fusion came together, working with spirit, you know, sitting around a table. And, and so like even spiritualism in and of itself was mm-hmm. born on the underground railroad. And that's something no one's ever really paid attention to. Everyone in Conjure is always trying to recreate the South. Right, the romantic Southern. Yeah, where yeah. it's really mm-hmm. the, the mysticism and the sort of the last legs of this, right? Where we live. Yeah. So we live on this current of a gateway to freedom. So the, the, all the magic of the North, I think it doesn't get enough uh, recognition that mm-hmm. the occult and magic of where we live on this part of the continent. So it always has to be South Mason Dixon Right. There's a lot of things that happened up here between here, Pennsylvania, and New York State. Yeah, so I'm from Washington, D.C. originally. Born and raised. My family is from out further in Virginia, and my one of my ancestors discovered the Luray Caverns which is Luray is very close to this thing called Harper's Ferry. <laughs> so Captain John Brown Captain John Brown is a big deal to me because we heard about that all the time being raised in that area is that John Brown was a big freaking deal. Took, took he was, field trips out to Harper's Ferry. Yeah, we took field right. trips to Harper's Ferry as part of my education in elementary school. Uh, to learn about that. So that part of the book to me was like, okay, this is the part I really (laughs) want to dig into because I know so much about John Brown and so much about Harper's Ferry. You know, we even, in in school, we discussed some of the things that happened, like people not showing up and Frederick Douglass telling people, don't go, it's going to be a massacre. Um, Consequently, it was a massacre. (laughs) Can you tell us more about Captain John Brown? The only thing I sort of showed different here was his... For being such a, a religious zealot that mm-hmm. he clearly was, yep. he surrounded himself with a very colorful tapestry of people that practice various religions. And mm-hmm. It seems odd that he was very inspired by African uh, slave rebellions, like whether it was the Amistad, which he, that was his hero, Asenke, who, who right. wrote, that was someone he really admired. He actually admired Nat Turner, mm-hmm. who indiscriminately killed everybody that was white, right? So mm-hmm. it's odd that, you know, John Brown would, would take inspiration for anyone that was utilizing their African traditions or African spirituality to stand up and fight for freedom. He was all about that. And so he obviously was a very, you know, I don't know, like for Americans, I, it's always interesting to talk about him because some Americans, this guy is a, he's a terrorist. He's responsible he's a civil traitor. Yeah. Others, oh, he was a folk hero, uh, you know, whose hands are bloodier, you know, the slaver or the one who fights for right. equality. So he, and I think he fits he, in that weird place. I think he said Harriet considered him a martyr. For yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and, right? and he gave her that, so where the church, where the area where he lived, that's where he gave her that title. So it was a very interesting spiritual proclamation of many witnesses to that. And he called her General Tubman and said, you're the general of this army. And she loved that title. And she always talked about it in biographies till, till her final days that that was a big deal for her. So he had heard about her thought she was a, you know, again, it's interesting. They each had their own little weird way of conjure Christian mysticism, but they both believed that God had ordained that they would fight together. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and brought them together. And brought them right. together. And it's interesting, you know, to look at that. And, and when you're working with spirits, 
and out of those legacies. This is very strange, you know, especially if you're a pagan, but that's what I find fascinating about American occultists, that there's a lot of intermingling. Yeah, a lot of syncretism. Yeah, yeah. What's it, what's it like to, as a pagan, work with these very, these very devoutly Christian yes. spirits? It was very hard for me when I first began to be immersed in voodoo, in particular priestess nerd. I thought it was something totally different when I was younger and a drummer, and that's how I came into the Her Temple. And when I started to see how much Christianity was involved, even if it's just a, a synchronization of it, I, I was very uncomfortable. And then when I started to accept some of it, you know, because I just spent years and years sort of like just trying to get rid of all elements of Catholicism and Christianity in my life. Were you raised as uh, a Christian or a I was born in Scotland, so... Okay. Anglican? We yeah. come with, uh, well, one half is Catholic, one half is Protestant. Okay. We have songs where I live, in, where I was born in Glasgow, about those types of families where one was on either side. So okay. religious strife and religiosity is, unfortunately, a really big part of Scotland, not a very good way. Mm. So, but, you know, and so just the Christian, you know, after being so many years as a pagan, you know, deconstructing Mm-hmm. Uh, Christianity to eventually start to accept working even with the Bible. That was the last thing I could I couldn't understand. Was like you have to use this to understand what these you know, these people were doing. And mm-hmm. This is a big part of Hoodoo and Conjure. And I was like, oh, this is brutal. Then <laughs> <laughs> then you know, luckily after many years, you know, people that showed me that oh, there's just a lot of spell work in here, and it's, it was always used by uh, freedom seekers as a, as a a code. The book had a code, so the things they could do because there was no other grimoire. The Bible to them, and hoodoo and conjure in African American culture, for those conjures, the Bible was a grimoire that they could, they could choose. So I was sitting with Kenya last night, and she started pulling out Bibles out of her purse, and I was like, what? And she goes, no, 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 it's for Psalms work. That's all it's for. And I was like, it was little okay, because it was a little, yeah, I was like, this is a little weird. I almost grabbed one from I'm very interested in root work and conjure. It's not something that I was ever really obviously exposed to as a as a Christian yeah. and I'm when And it's I, not something you were trained in. No, it's not something I was trained in. But my grandfather, he was of German descent, but like he planted by the, you know, the yeah. phases of the moon and he taught me how to water witch. And so even though he was, he was a Baptist, <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of drawn toward that idea of conjure and root work because I'm a green witch. So I work with herbs and things like that. So it just feels natural to me. It's very ancestral. So if you, case in point for your grandfather, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, you know, anyone born in North America or even if you're born in Europe, our families, at least grandparents' generation, were religious. They had no choice. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a free society like we have. Right. Mm-hmm. So they had pursuits of magic and seasons and moon cycles. And this is folk magic has always been buried. And, mm-hmm. and, and so when we feel drawn to it, sometimes I think it's uh, to appease one of our ancestors. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of follows us around in our spiritual court of our ancestors. And some of them had a leaning towards the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, because back then that was social for them too, so a lot of people went to church on Sundays. Well, that was the only time you weren't working on the farm. You got to see somebody, and well, it's not talking about. And it was, it was you would hook up. Yeah, you would yeah. Right. some eyes and be like, "Do you want to meet outside afterwards? Walk through the cemetery?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, but, well, and it was it was just part of the social contract. Right. It was, it it was, was just, this was how you established that you were like a, a law abiding. That's right agreeable member of society and part to, of the community uh, part of the community was was to engage in religious dialogue with each other that was mm-hmm. just part of of life we in the modern day have sort of separated religion from community. community in a way that's very unnatural to a lot of our ancestors. Yes, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Getting back to your book and getting back to Captain John Brown, I think a lot of younger, a lot of our younger listeners, because we have a lot of young pagans who, mm-hmm. who listen to us, I don't think they would have known that he was a white man. 
Right. And he was, and he was an abolitionist. There were a lot of white people working with black people, and it was a very multicultural. It was a very multicultural yeah. kind of endeavor. endeavor for freedom. Yep, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, so there is a great deal of white people involved in it. Had I have put together a book that focused mostly on just the white people in the Grand Railroad. I would have got attacked as being somebody mm-hmm. who was only focused. Mm-hmm. So when I went specifically <laughs> to show, you know, and the idea was neo-pagan world that we all exist in. You know, it is. It's something that people are, are interested in, root work and conjure. Mm-hmm. You know? And the Caribbean traditions are foreign even to some African-Americans. Mm-hmm. So, for example, where I live in Canada, the, the, the African-Canadian uh, community, with their descendants, this is one of the things that always uh, I like to share with people sometimes when, when I'm around folks that are part of the traditions I'm in, is that, they're like, well, don't they want to get initiated in the Haitian Bordeaux or Santeria? And it's like, well, well, no, they don't have any affinity towards anything to do with the Caribbean culture. They're, um, they're Canadians mm-hmm. removed from America, and they're North Americans. So for me, the amount of people that seem to want to get involved in hoodoo, which is great, I, I mean, but they just sometimes forget where some other authors haven't really painted like, you know, where it's from. Mm-hmm. Once you understand where it's from, then most people, if you have respect for it, you can, you know, indulge in it to a degree, if you, as long as you have some respect. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that Monroe was a good paradigm that, well, it does encompass white people mm-hmm. and black people working together a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's barely happening now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why not that be a really, and it brought two countries together. Mm-hmm. So why not yeah. be an interesting paradigm for North American spirituality? Just another one to throw into the fire that, mm-hmm. of many different traditions of, that focus on our uniquely American mm-hmm. paradigm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing because I think America in particular doesn't get enough of its credibility for the sort of the magic that was born in this continent. Right. It seems everybody gravitates to European witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Or they focus on the traditions from the Caribbean, you know, uh, or Africa, oh, that's more exotic. Or, when, when or, or Native American. Yeah, Native for sure. Not that yeah. Native American all the way. It's, yeah. it's the continent. It's, what, it's the pulse of this continent. But as far as the cult goes and magic, right. mm-hmm. American traditions don't get enough. And so that's what I thought you know, would be mm-hmm. interesting to sort of focus on. And it wasn't a design. It wasn't anything I ever chose to do. It's where I lived. And ultimately, I would never have even focused on Underground Railroad Conjure if it wasn't for the people of the Voodoo Spiritual Temple in New Orleans, because I was like, oh, I want to learn more, and what do I do while I'm up here in Canada? And it was Mary when I said, you should focus on the Voodoo where you live. And I, and I was like, well, I live in Niagara Falls. What Voodoo? No voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Tubman. And I went, oh, okay. And then when a couple came to stay with me for a while, they brought me over to the church, and they're like, yeah, see this right here? I'm like, this is why there's Voodoo here, you'll be able to find it. And I'd known that church was there. I lived right around the corner from it. And, you know, kind of like that one day, I was like, oh. And I was like, really? And that's the first time you would meet. I knew everything. There's a pagan or a Buddha that I had no idea that this church or this connection would, would learn that. And, then, and it took years to really establish that mm-hmm. connection. But the more I did, it would just be more and more. I lived right around the corner. So whenever I started to access these spiritual forces that live, they're buried in a couple of parking lots. They mm-hmm. have no markers. Huh. And so that force would just come right into the house, like mm-hmm. right up. There's a couple of backyards that have bodies buried as well. So it was really tangible. And once you started to open this world up, mm-hmm. you know, it just became something that was overwhelming. And at that point, I knew, well, I guess there's a tradition that needs to be created here or mm-hmm. help be created. Do you think that this is something that it would be more specifically for people who are drawn to conjure or interested in conjure? Or is this for anybody who would like to, to work with? And connect with the underground world. Yeah, yeah, I think a bit of both. And uh, there's going to be a part two of that. So mm-hmm. that's why this had to be more introductory. Uh, originally, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do was have a bunch of uh, big kind of formidable. <laughs> oh, good, luck trying, good luck trying to take this one, people. You know? <laughs> You're going to do this. So... 
And Wiser said, whoa, 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 yeah. yeah. The yeah. publishers. Ultimately, it's about binding. And then it comes down to how much they're right, yep. binding or they, they break apart. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it in part two. So the next one will definitely have elements of, because it, it's very creative, created a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some things that are historical in there. Some of it is stuff that my friends and I and colleagues have literally created out of, like, inspiration from spirit, working, mm-hmm. various workings, you know. So, but there's no, par- there's no orthodox or dogma way to work with the spirit so mm-hmm. one of the things I didn't put in this book, though, was like a way that for like almost like what Wiccans would recognize to circle the cast mm-hmm. by using these forces. So there's just no way you can't access it. And to me, if uh, people want to focus on an inspirational place and if they want to get involved in root work and conjure, then to me, it would be interesting to focus more on something that has to do with this content right. and how right. people came together. It doesn't, not trying to pretend there were, anyone who's read the book knows that mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain in there. Yeah. I don't. Yeah whitewash anything like if anything you know I'm claiming a lot of stuff for, for that other white authors have it so it's not a pretty book but at least it gives people an idea it's an honest yeah book. it gives people an yeah. idea okay so that's where it comes from and then ultimately I think too for many neo-pagans who want to get involved in these traditions I think they read a couple books that still don't understand to me now maybe if they read that they like oh I get it I get what Hootie's about now it's connected to the slave revolts and survival and that way now if they go and want to learn with somebody right then they, they come already a little bit yeah. yeah, you know, understood. Like, I get this now because a lot of people don't. I think they think hoodoo and conjure was like, well, I know this is the case because I've read and I've seen authors say a white person, an uh, African American, a native sitting around a table and said, okay, you want to create a cool tradition? <laughs> we're all equal. And we're just going to be part this, part that. Yeah, and people believe this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not yeah. the case. It's, yeah. it's not how it was. This was all the African Americans trying to create their, their mis- survive, keep things alive, and right. survive through horrible ordeals. Right. So then it becomes something commercial by the World War II era. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I think a lot of people are familiar with without mm-hmm. really knowing, well, where did it come from? Right. What was its purpose <laughs> when it was created? Right. And two, like, you know, there's a few colleagues of mine that I don't really know them that are crazy about this book because, again, like I said earlier, focusing on the North. Right. And not this toying the company line, which a lot of people do that's Southern. Right. Conjure. Conjure. Everything down there is mystical and magical, and everything up here, we don't have family values, or we don't have magic. <laughs> it's like, no. We're uh, just kind of a boy. Spiritualism <laughs> was born up here. Like, the actual cross pollination that I noticed a lot of people never really picked up on happened in the North. Mm-hmm. And these areas we live in is where, where actually a lot of, you know, if hundreds of thousands of people fled the South. Mm-hmm. to come to the north and I brought it think with they them. probably brought it with them yeah and yeah. Uh, I think there's just as much of it up here as there is down there yeah. but hey you know that's, that's the <laughs> yeah it's it, uh, you know I wonder how much different my experience with John Brown would be if I had been born 90 miles south yeah right, right. right. so if I had been born in Richmond Virginia mm-hmm. rather than Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. how big of a difference would my John Brown experience be yeah what, you know, you would, how would your how would your instruction have changed? Right, as a child, right. Yeah. considered him a terrorist instead uh-huh. of a right. hero. Well, and I have a uncle, great, 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 great uncle, who was Stonewall Jackson's physician, very big in the Confederacy. Um, I've never considered we, we, myself many, on many that. Many people do. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's just it's just interesting to see that or visualize those differences between. Mm-hmm. How people can think about, you know, well, it was just the South, or well, it was just the North, or you well, know. and there's an extent to which it's artificial to separate the country in that way, anyway. Mm-hmm. The those lines weren't we, drawn. We up. do have a Mason Dixon line, yeah, <laughs> but but those lines weren't drawn up as battle lines until the Civil War, and right. then it was. I mean, it it, it really did tear families apart, yeah, mm-hmm. because everyone like it wasn't it wasn't like there was this bifurcated right country. 
to start with, where well, and it the tore, South was... It tore a city apart. Really so did, D.C. Yeah. used to include Alexandria, yeah. Virginia. And when D.C. said, well, we're outlawing the slave trade, Alexandria, which is a port city, yeah. said, said you can't do that to us. nope, we're going to be, be, be a part of Virginia, and screw you guys, because now we can still do the slave trade. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it really did. It tore, like, whole yep. cities apart, families yeah, apart, right. everything. It was... Uh, well, amazing. It was all it was all intermixed, and then the Civil War happened. Right and now, we're still dealing with the fallout. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And I and as I said, I this is a very honest book, and it it deals with the fact that, like for instance, Harriet was kind of upset with President Lincoln that he yep. was not abolishing slavery right. soon enough. But she participated in the war effort, yep. the Civil War. She mm-hmm. I believe you said she, she was, was a nurse. nurse. Yeah, yeah. And she at that rate, the famous uh, command leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Legend. Again, going back to the book, I just. It, it is so eye-opening. It is so honest. And I think it is necessary, especially for people of my generation all the way down to younger generations, to to remember Harriet Tubman because of the times that we're going through right now. There's so much strife in our country right now. And people came together for this cause of abolition and, and freedom. And I think we need to remember that we can do that again. Yeah, well, and like the Southern Law Poverty Center, which is a big think tank yeah. type thing, just put out a report that last year hate groups in the United States grew by 400. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, Listen, y'all, you need to get Conjuring Harriet, Mama Moses Tubman, and, and the, the spirits, spirits of the Underground Railroad. We all need to conjure these spirits so that we can start working together for unity right. and freedom yep. from this hideous <laughs> hatred. Yeah. That is growing in our country. And that's if you watched our... If that's an appropriate yeah, was, response. You know, it's funny. I was, when you guys were saying earlier, it makes me think we were talking about the Civil War. So, yeah, the Civil War is obviously fought for many reasons, and slavery being a big part of it. But it's amazing how most of the people that have died in the Civil War, they were still... Maybe they didn't agree 100% with everything, but it's just what it is. Mm-hmm. The 1% that did own slaves drew all those people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. now, look at the country now being mm-hmm. separated, pitted against each other. By who? Rich people on one side and the other. Yeah. And who's all paying the price? All of us. Again, we're seeing families, friends torn apart torn in apart. political yeah. situations and political allegiances. And it wouldn't have been that different in the Civil War. Right. People have whatever reasons they feel loyal. You know, it's complicated, but, mm-hmm. you know, every single person that died on either side of the Civil War, they were, they were fighting for richer people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Government, yeah. They, they had no choice, you know. Right. Right. We were forced into that war, so today it seems very much the same kind of weird way. There's like lines being drawn, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, factions and, and people that should be allies fighting amongst each other, or you know, maybe, well, you don't really disagree that much. What is it that's driving this wedge between somebody that just can't accept certain things? And mm-hmm. you know, it's just, who's, who's the only ones benefiting? Uber rich, exactly. yeah, Uber rich and Uber powerful. And I, I love the ritual stuff in there, though. As anybody who listens to our yeah, podcast yeah. knows, I'm not huge into ritual. Yeah, but maybe. Maybe this would be a place to start. Right. Well, and I love the fact that you break everything down. I see a lot of rituals that say, well, you need this and this and this, and they never explain what this, this, and this are. I'm fairly new to paganism. I've only been out of Christianity three years. Maybe. And I've only been in paganism about a year, a year, a year and a half. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so I'm fairly new to it. They're not. But so I, I was the latecomer in the family. <laughs> But I love the fact that you break everything down, all mm-hmm. the tools that you need to do the ritual beforehand so that I know what the hell I'm actually doing. Because right. yeah. a lot of times they'll tell you you need this tool, but then they don't explain what the F the tool is. Or because, how you're going to use it. Or how you're going to use it or anything like that because they just assume you know. And I love the breakdown I don't. of the sigil. 
of the UGR or Sigil. Right, yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it'll be a hard thing for me to put a cross in something, but that's yeah. just something yeah. I personally have to get over. Time. Like I said, that's yeah. right. a yeah. time yeah. to realize what the cross meant, and it, it does take some time. Yeah. Especially when you spend a bunch of years. Which, 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 uh-huh. yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, what do you mean I have to... Uh, what do you mean I gotta read the I songs? Oh, yeah. I'll be honest, I was, I was thinking, I really think I want to have a, a altered a space, a space for Harriet Tubman and, and to work with her, but then I read, you know, you want to put a little cross on there, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh do I have to? <laughs> See, I don't have this problem as much, because yeah. I left Christianity when I was 11, so I don't have, like, trauma about it, right. I don't have any, like, lingering... Anxieties about right. You've not been a Christian longer than you were. Yeah, exactly. I've been alive longer than a than I was a Christian. Yeah. And so for me, there's like, and so like, I can read the the scripture that's in this book, the Conjurings, and I can just see them as beautiful and not have this like lingering pain about them. Whereas I and I can look at the like the Psalms and the verses. That's no problem. It's that symbol of the cross. That I, I'm, I yeah, my, like a cat, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the gets, goes up and my hackles are raised. Conjure and root work and, and voodoo in general, when I got exposed to it, which again, that, that's very different from African ethos, mm-hmm. which has no Christianity of any kind. So that's a completely separate thing. Mm-hmm. But over here for these traditions, I found working with the minimal parts that you have to Christianity and root work and conjure, it kind of almost helped to heal my. Mm-hmm. But we were all just saying that you know they comfortability. When you actually found a way that it crossed over, to me that's when I sort of diffused a lot of that stuff. Oh, like, very cool. oh, okay. And I just sort of took away some of the, the veneer of that certain things, and then I was able to start to be you know because I also sometimes go attend services in the two denominations where the, the Baptist Church, the, the Freedom Seekers, built but the mm-hmm. BME one. And, you know, I, I go in there. And obviously, you know, I know I should probably should be there, but I'm going out of respect because of who built those churches and right. who's in it, and it's been a part of that community. Like it, as a white person, but there's a few of them. I'm part of that community, the friends, and so I support them, and, and they support me once in a while for various things. You know, I'm friends, and so, but sitting in there sometimes, I'm able to appreciate certain parts of their services. I, I can see what's going on here, and especially Baptist ones. There's a bit more hand clapping, a bit mm-hmm. more bring down some Holy Spirit. Uh, the Methodists, not so much. And in fact, the one, he's not the preacher at that church anymore. But when he found out, like they, and some of the people in that denomination and know me very well. Others, you know, I'm just that white guy who's an enthusiast of the underground world where they just keep it quiet. You know, I, I, there's various church politics is bad enough. Black church politics, when you're a white witch doctor involved in it, is even more bizarre. And so, so BME is Black Methodist uh, no, Episcopal? Uh, British Methodist Episcopal. Br- yeah. British, okay. But I just mean, like, you know, because I, I attend their functions, and, you know, so I see all the politics, church right. politics, you know, and, gotcha. and you know, I never belonged to a church, so I always heard about church politics, but we see it mostly. Yeah. Like, wow. yeah. But there, pre- there was a preacher there who was no longer there, and when he found out who I was and what I was doing, he freaked out. Had things that I had contributed to the church removed from the church, put into another building. He's oh, wow. like, because this guy's a cursor. And he, one day I went to there, and they were having some troubles with some people digging up bodies in the back when the city was, you know, raising some laws. And he literally did a sermon, looking right at me about the devil amongst us. Oh my God. And so I, I actually, when he was saying that, and he's a, he's a big older black guy. When he was saying that, you know, a couple of times I looked around, and I mean, I felt like Rodney Dangerfield was just the time. Whoa! All I can think of why my friends can see this right now because. I wasn't upset about it. I was just more like amused and stunned and thinking, I wish people could see this right now. Who gets to say this is happening? <laughs> he looked right at me and afterwards a couple of other people apologized. He's such a blowhard. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I walked up right after. I was like, 
uh, Reverend Peters, that was a great sermon. I just <laughs> let's think about you know, it. And he goes, no, he's no longer there, thank goodness. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, no more, no more. I could definitely tell you a lot about church politics. I used to be on staff. Oh, let's not go. So, yeah, yeah. We uh, just did a video this morning that we posted to our, our Facebook group and, and also to Convocation mm-hmm. where we give the book five stars. Yeah. Uh, so we absolutely loved it. Yeah, strongly we'll endorsed it. We'll do that on Amazon as well. Yeah, and we'll and, uh, do a blog post and all that kind of and stuff. And b- before we move on, I did just want to say oh, one, yeah. one of my favorite parts of this book was conjuring the, the nameless freedom seekers. Yes. that I found that really compelling. The Lovers, I cried yeah, reading the story of the Lovers. I thought that was really valuable and powerful because a lot of us don't know... Like I, so I do a lot of ancestor work with my own ancestors, and I don't know all their names. Right. But I know they're sitting at the shrine waiting to be fed and loved and remembered and honored, and I have a connection to them even if I don't know their names and faces. And so it was, I found that part of this book, conjuring the, the freedom seekers who were forgotten, mm-hmm. maybe or even lost, maybe even more meaningful than conjuring the, the well-known names. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, uh, I appreciate noticing that, because that is the idea working in this particular tradition. Mm-hmm. So that gives us something to do to heal the land. Mm-hmm. And so think about the people that don't get remembered. And that that's that's a blessing. Right? Mm-hmm. When you do that kind of compassionate work, it becomes infectious. And mm-hmm. so when we go to our Wiccan temple or our, our whatever other type of tradition, just it becomes it just invokes a little bit of a compassion and mm-hmm. and a different you know, idea. And then again, that's the whole idea. If we have white people helping remember uh, fallen black heroes who will never know their names. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, if you notice some of the pictures in there that says nameless, mm-hmm. those are all from a family in St. Catharines that I know, the Bell family. And they found them all in the attic. Wow. So something out of a movie, they're all tin types. People that Rex was tried to find out who they were. They went, the old man didn't even know why his grandfather was saving them. When he passed away, he found it afterwards. So they're all in university now, but uh, no one will ever know who they are. And they, those pictures were taken in St. Catharines, right across the road from the church. There was an old photography studio a white man had back in the 1800s and with certain freedom seekers. He'd invite them over and you know, put some uh, nice suits on them and took portraits of them. No one even knows how to get a hold of any family members of that photography studio because some of them actually have the print. I just chose the to have the name of it. Experts have tried. No one will ever know who those people are, where they're buried. And so... Uh, one of the family members like, hey, you know, feel free to use the pictures in there. Because yeah. it would be nice to see them remembered in a way and put in a book because they've never been published before. So, yeah. no, when I do, I do love the pictures <laughs> because I think it, for me, it gives me something to visualize yeah. mm-hmm. when I'm doing it. So, it, I think it'll be really helpful. Yeah. Now, would it be appropriate to add like a space for the for the unknown? to your own ancestor altar or just give them a separate space? I, I usually put them separately because my ancestor, mm-hmm. I'm so I was born in Scotland, so my, my little ancestral corner, which okay. has swords and tartans and shields, <laughs> uh, you know, that's just all them. You know, but the rest of the house is essentially one giant shrine. But for most people, if you're going to work with any of the conjures, you can put them all in one area. You know, and just give them the reference and veneration and, and at their own time. And, Create an, I would say create an underground The majority of our home is altar and shrine now. At this point. That's yeah. True. That's so, true. <laughs> as we found out through you doing Ancestry.com, I do have uh, some ancestry. I think through my great grandmother, her mother was uh, black, yep. we believe. And so. She was white passing. Yeah, yeah. she was white passing. Right. For me, I feel like that's even more of a, a compelling reason to include a shrine to the, to the unknown. Most multi generational Americans have 
somewhere in somewhere. And maybe by you know, terrible means, but it's mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And whereas in Canada, because there was, well, there was no country. Canada really was only one little area, and it didn't really grow until Lincoln mm-hmm. was going to invade after the Civil War. He's like, we're going to go and take that, too, part of the Manifest Destiny. So Canada was like, uh, we better build a railroad in this country. And then that's what Britain said. Good luck, you know, because we <laughs> fought the Americans enough. We're out. But all the Canadians, they're multi-generational Canadians. They all have Native American blood. People mm-hmm. that age, all, everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Because that's who people married in Canada, you know, yeah. when you lived in these rural areas. So multi-generational North Americans... Then they're white supremacists. Mm. It's like you, 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 it's you like know, dudes. Right. Go, you have something in go your get your twenty three. You have something in you that is not what you think you are. Exactly. And, uh, and you are not pure yeah, Aryan. <laughs> it's unique. Ancestor work. You know, it sounds like you guys are actually right on the same wavelength. It's amazing, and these DNA tests to me has been fascinating when I do readings for people because it proves what we've thought or known in the cult for generations mm-hmm. of the sanctity and the importance of what's in the blood. Mm-hmm. So when we have our ancestral pool, like a, a, an ethereal pool, mm-hmm. that all of our lineages, well, when we work with it and pray with it and connect with it, it makes it cleaner, more mm-hmm. pure. And when that transforms, that's the whole thing. It eventually transforms actual blood within us because that is the portal, is mm-hmm. the blood within us. And so when we work with our ancestors, it actually makes us healthier. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's so unique. That you know, therefore, odd that when people you know are I'm a white supremacist and they just like, well, did you have something in your line that you know, like <laughs> that you're, you're not, not on it? Yeah, even yeah. if you were like somebody in your family might have been from Czechoslovakia that might have part Asian, like mm-hmm. there's, there's no such thing as white supremacy. It's crazy. Exactly. But there's right. no such thing as whiteness, really. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a constructed concept. Yeah, that's right. It's that's very true. it's very strange. Uh, even in where I, like, you know, Britain, you know, the Scottish people are a different genetic class as the Welsh and then the English. The only thing the Welsh and the Scottish could agree with is they hate the English because they were all from, another, you know, the Northerns that came there. So even tiny islands uh-huh. of white people have different genetic backgrounds and they literally make sure that you understand the difference. And so, yeah, it's so weird with people. Like, oh, yeah. One, of, one, of, like, one uh, of the things I learned as a, as a child growing up at family reunions was I wasn't allowed to say that I was Scandinavian. Um, I had to say I was Norwegian and Danish. There you go. Mm-hmm. So that you could specify... That's right, that's right. ...that came from those two places. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. <laughs> I'm aware of that one. I'm aware of that one. So, yeah. the other thing we want to cover is the... Controversy? Yeah, the whole Stupid mess. controversy yeah. that's going on that we don't understand. Honest. I do not understand that at all. I, I've read the, the drama... And having read the book, I can reliably say the people causing the drama they didn't read, read the book. book. Yeah. Well, nobody was able to read the book when the drama started. <laughs> it's amazing. Can you tell us, maybe, do you know what the roots of the problem are? Uh, it's, 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 it's like twofold. One part of the reality of what Pantheacon was all about was I was invited to it. I presented all of the workshops I was going to do. They were all accepted. And it ended up on the program, the, the pre-program and then the actual public program. A lot of people were really excited because I'd never been out there. The drag ritual drummers had never been out there. We'd been invited to California many times. And so a lot of people knew, hey, that's one of the guys who drag I know a lot of folks. So they're like, oh, cool. And a lot of people had this idea. Well, Pantheon must be loosening the, the, the range of it. This doesn't seem like something they would have. And I thought the same thing. I didn't really want to go to it. I wanted to come to this one originally anyway. And so I was like, oh, they're never going to accept this stuff I'm doing. Like, the rituals I presented, I was like, no way. And then when they kept sending it back, approved the proof. Wow, okay, well, maybe I was wrong about this event. So one part of it is that there were some folks there, uh, another community of people, white, that conjure, but they have a narrative of the way they present something, and my book challenges a lot of their They're southern news. root work. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha, okay. Uh, you know, fantasy work, for lack of a better way. 
And but then at the other on the other end as well, and so I already had heard before all the trouble started that there was some rumors like we don't want that guy to come here. But then ultimately, it did start from one woman of color who got rejected. This is all known now. She mm-hmm. she one of her she didn't get all her classes rejected, but one of them she wanted to do was rejected, and she's a gay black woman. When they looked at the stuff, I was just the ultimate perfect straight <laughs> white target. This is not. I don't care. I'm not saying this to sound like a victim, but this has been debated, it's been it's been discussed, and they've admitted it. It is what it is. So, shit happens. Then, ultimately, the white, you know, this is what we're talking about two women out of 3,000 people that had a problem with me, other than some secret enclave of folks who were like, ugh, you know, so they were happy with this. Then all the white social justice warrior mm-hmm. wannabe allies jumped on it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it, so them calling me a cultural appropriator lasted for about a day. And then they abandoned all, what shocked me, was it couldn't even be about that debate. And I was ready for that debate because a lot of people of color or colleagues and friends of mine are just were like, okay, that's, maybe that's this a, is yeah, the debate. That's, 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 right. that's, that's an right. ongoing discussion that's that we're having. It didn't yeah. last more than a day until, you know, there's like obviously a playbook from social justice radicals. I was a homophobe. Members of the Dragon Witch and Drummers are gay. My closest friends are gay. I've been in the gay community. My closest brothers and sisters are gay and lesbian. They tried to say I was a homophobe. There's no, this yeah. is outrageous. Then I was a transphobe. Well, you know, for a straight white guy, let me tell you, I have a lot of trans friends, and I'm like, it, again, we're in the pagan community. Is there other any other culture, subculture that has such a high representation of trans? Probably not. Yeah, mm-hmm. the pagan community is trying to catch up to it because we right. have so many right. in our community. So that's not true. I, it's just outrageous. Then I was a white supremacist. I was, I was, a, I, was a, I was a racist, which is unfathomable if you read this Yeah, I have, you know, like I have been. A, you know, my personal life would shut that down right quick because I'm not very much of a, you know, I, I, I get it. I, where I live, you know, I've been in relationships with women of color. I've lived with them. You know, they're, they're, it's not the only people I've ever been with, but my whole circle of friends and people are people of color. And it's to be called, you know, they helped me write this book some of them. Like, yeah, I had people helping me do with this, like giving me information to historians that can't get their stuff. So I'm a racist too. It just was outrageous. And so I'm really honest. I've made some judgments on people that I've heard rumors about. And I've, in these last few months, I've 180 and started to rethink that because there are now thousands of people out there through the internet drama that believe that I am a white supremacist, homophobe, appropriating transphobe who, you know... Racist, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That I'm just trying to capitalize on this and... And so that's well, and you thing. had like death threats, death threats, yeah, um, just yeah. violence. Yeah, it's it's gone away now. Well, that's good. I was threatened at this event. That really? Get, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the case because at Pantheon, they because after a while when they realized they weren't going to, you know, affect me, mm-hmm. they turned on Ryan Foxwood, who oh, was a great friend geez. of mine, and and uh, he wrote a he wrote a thing on Facebook, sort of trying to say, you know, diversity. There's a demon in, 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 that's affecting our, you know, diversity. And it took a couple of these folks that were really wanting to make this a big deal. Two weeks to finally go, hey, let's try to say that was a curse against people of color. And that became a big deal. And so he was also threatened and uh, that there was going to be disruption of his workshops at Pantheacon, so on and so forth. So not one thing happened. No one, not one of these people that made all that noise, that made all this drama, that caused, that literally tried to cause racial strife in our communities. And I mean, to me, that's the most deplorable thing you could do, especially mm. to try to capitalize on yourself. Because in this day and age, amongst our unique communities, the mm-hmm. community, for all its faults, people can find lots of them. This is the most progressive, equal, you know, equality mm-hmm. championing. When I knew that in the 90s when I got involved in it, oh, wow, this is really cool. Gay, 
white, black. You know, the pagan community tries really hard to be inclusive. It is, yes. and I mean, yeah. good luck finding another community where you can go to events like this, mm-hmm. outdoors, indoors, where we are all kind of on an equal mm-hmm. plane. Mm-hmm. I think it's unique. And so to try to drive the wedge, and I think it's disgusting. So they didn't even show up. They couldn't even debate him. They couldn't even come up and say, hey, they have kind of an awkward, conversation. pretty yeah. awkward time over there on Facebook, huh? And let's agree to disagree. <laughs> and then you could turn around and lie and twist about that. But they didn't even have the courage to do that. So now I'm not feeling too bad where some rumors were originally. To show you how dirty it was, there was some, some of these people said, yeah, Detroit's a dangerous city. Uh, people get shot there all the time. Oh, my. Oof. And I had to engage back and say, yeah, I know, because I know some people here in the city, and they're actually going to be uh, hanging around and watching me, so no one's getting out there. I had to say, no one's getting out of the hotel lobby alive if they try it, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, I got to play this game a little bit. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the threats were crazy. And they just, I don't know, this is the social justice warrior enclave of the neo-pain community, which kind of does come mostly from West Coast, is, to me, it lacks magic. Mm-hmm. If they had magic, they wouldn't be trying to prey upon themselves. Right. Like, um, makes it's, no sense. It's called virtue signaling. Yes. And it's where you try to, you're not actually dedicated to the cause, but you publicly champion the cause to increase your own cultural cachet within your little enclave. And it is a curse upon our society. Yes. yes. It's amazing. And you know, I mean, I'm not exactly you know, an anarchist by any stretch, but I believe in a lot of things that probably would fall under fairly extremely left-wing mm-hmm. things. In a way, you know, I just believe the environment should be protected. I believe that. Uh, I come from a country with social health care. I know it can happen. Yeah, you got to pay a few extra dollars on booze and beer, whatever. Now you don't have to pay <laughs> thousands of dollars to the doctor. Exactly. Right. I believe in gay rights. I, I uh, wish we had your health racial, yeah. Racial, yeah. racial equality. Of course I believe in this. So, but, you know, we don't have a lot of guns in Canada, but you'd be high-pressed to find someone in Canada who wouldn't like to have a gun to be able to protect them. So, I can buy a gun, mm-hmm. so I just got to get a license, and I can only have a rifle. But we don't have a law in Canada where we can defend our home, so mm-hmm. it sort of takes away all that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people in Canada would like that thing. So, you know, where do I sit politically? I don't know, but I know that I have championed and fought for a lot of people, especially women that have been abused by, by people in the community. And for me to be made for at least two or three months public enemy number one That's of everything crazy. wrong is is shocking. I don't it doesn't bother me, but it is ironic. And it, like I said, I've really analyzed. I had enemies, people that are literally enemies of mine. We will get a lot of messaging me through that, saying, "Holy crap, this is crazy, buddy!" Like, well, I'm on your side on this one, you know? Yeah. Like, we absolutely <laughs> agree. Yeah, I sent a few people like, "Look who sent me a message." Like, Why? Why? Well, they're white. They're in voodoo or hoodoo, and I think they were. A lot of people were starting to see the writing on the wall of what they were trying to do. They're like, "Well, where's this going?" Because if this guy who's initiated, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and hasn't even been, he's not even selling anything that's got to do with all the other traditions. And what's next? Us and yeah, that was there. Yeah, I've paid attention. I've seen all this controversy because we're friends on Facebook, and yeah. so I've seen like all of this oh stuff going God. on. And I'm friends with Teddy on Facebook yeah. as well, and so just seeing all of it just is, pile up. It, it was just stupid. That it's some of these people are just trolls trying to cause problems. Oh, so I don't believe that. I, I, I originally I was like probably not, but actually, you know, some. Pagan intellect, uh, intellectuals, some of the older folks that have you no know, degrees and have written some of the books, that I've seen them now because of the situation, saying they believe that there's, see, that there's an element of that that is, they're not really magical at all. It's just an element of, of, of people that are demonstrators, radicals, 
you know, and they just, they see the paid community as an easy one to sort of infiltrate and use as their voice banner behind mm -hmm. them. And so I think it's up to us now. And I really believe that. Like, I never thought I'd have to say that, but it seems like a lot of people, like, we have to reject these people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the paid community has been doing pretty good at equality, at inclusivity, and catching up to everything, like the, the transsexual movement right now. You know, people got to catch up to it. But if there's any other subculture that has been ahead of the bar in the paying community, good luck. You show me one. Mm -hmm. And if they turn on people in our own community and say, you're transphobic just because you don't agree with certain things, which is why they chucked out Max Dashi from Pantheon, was because, you know, she's a woman that believes that in certain healing circles, biological women only should be in there because some of these women have been raped or abused by men. And, you know, so there has to be a, a, a line at some point. And by saying that, you're transphobic. Mm -hmm. So do actual trans people believe that? I know plenty that don't disagree with that, but the, the ones that are loudest say transphobic, transphobic. And it just becomes this, like they, they, they did to me, they'll fling everything at you. I hope something sticks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't think there's any honor in that. Yeah. And so I don't think they should, you know, have the voice they do. And I think what has happened because of this whole debacle of Pantheon, a lot of people begged me, hey, just quit engaging them. I was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to have to once in a while. It felt liberating. I usually very well behaved on Facebook. So a few times I was able to go into a thread and be like, you know what? Screw this. And I just like, go to hell, you wanna And I just typed it in there. But you don't know what you know. I was like, well, that kind of felt good. You know, it might be embarrassed, feel a little dirty, but hey, you know, uh, so it was good to sort of, I like, think, to stop that. They're not going to do that again. Yeah, Pantheon, and they, they're suffering. This week, their past weekend was a dismal disaster. There's, it's been well, whatever. You know, I'm not going to say it's too bad, but well, I, you get I what know. you you get what you you know in, in magic world. Yeah, magic yeah, things happen true. when you right, yeah. Down. That's true. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. I'm saying I believe in karma, but magic has a way of <laughs> coming around. Coming around. Yeah, that's true. Equalizing. So we at Three Pack would say this is a five star book. Absolutely. And you need to go onto Amazon or your local pagan store right now and buy Conjuring, Harriet Mama Moses Tubman, and the Spirits of the Underground Railroad at your earliest convenience, or just get offline right now and go buy it. That's yeah. right. And if you have a chance to hear, to go somewhere to hear Witch Doctor Utu speak, to teach a class, to hear Dragon Ritual drummers play, because they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely. And yeah. this, this whole debacle is just stupid. It's unfounded. And, you know, fuck them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I forgot. We can't swear. We can't swear. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're podcast. an explicit podcast. Sorry, so. we should have made that clear early on. That's the worst fucking thing. No, yeah. we had to mark our podcast explicit because okay. iTunes told us they would take it away. I'm the worst defender here. No, that's not true. No, it's oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. So. It's me in the supermarket <laughs> cursing up a storm and then realizing there's a small child behind me. <laughs> you know? Sorry, so. parent. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for being yeah, here, Witch Doctor. Too, pleasure, we absolutely loved having you. The reading this morning was correct. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it was engaging. Yeah, I did, I, did a, I did a divination this morning to see how the the interview would go, and got a fast and enthusiastic. So. <laughs> yep, right and we hit that. I appreciate it very much, guys. And All right. Well, thank you very much. You. It was an absolute thank blast you. having you. We are here out of schedule yep. to announce the winner of the contest we started last, last week. week yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the last episode, we announced that we had an extra copy of Witch Doctor Utu's book, Conjuring 
Harriet, Harriet Mama Moses Tubman, and the Spirits of the Underground Railroad. So we, we asked y'all to do a little bit of research, find out what Harriet Tubman's birth name was, because it was not Harriet or Tubman. Nope. Nope. Uh, and to send in your entries for a chance to win that book. And you all sent in your responses. Mm-hmm. And should we say, for, yeah, the well, rest, for those who did not For those of you who response, didn't do your research. Naughty naughties. Araminta Ross. Was her was her birth, her birth name, name. Yep. And, and she, she was, was called Minty. Yeah, she was called Minty by her peers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the winner mm-hmm. is Heather Schmidt Gonzalez. Congratulations, Heather! Yeah. You are the lucky recipient of a wonderful book. Yeah, yes. yeah, <laughs> we really enjoyed the book. Um, we gave it five stars, as we said in the yeah, interview. Absolutely. You just listened to. Yeah. Yeah. So we we strongly recommend this book, and we hope you enjoy it just as much as we did. Absolutely, because not only is it a great history book, but it also is practical. Yeah. All right. That's it for us. Yeah, that's That's it. it. That's That's it it. for for this week because this is not a normal recording. So (laughs) we hope you enjoyed uh, the interview. Yeah. Yes. Yep. If you did, send us a message on Facebook or Discord. All right. So that's it. Yep. All right. Bye. 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 Am I going to stop? Are you going to quit saying bye? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I like how she manages to do it the same way each time. Try it again. Bye. Worked. (laughs) You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.